The following is a presentation of Tomorrow's World. The United States of America has been a beacon of religious freedom and tolerance since the days of the Founding Fathers. Many biblical principles have often formed the basis of the laws and statutes of the country. Sadly, many Americans are waking up to the fact that this foundation is under attack from atheists and others who would want biblical values removed from our society and our laws. In Britain, Canada, Australia and New Zealand, the same anti-God sentiment is evident. Why is this happening? Well, the answer is going to become clear as we understand that faith in God is not what it was in days gone by. Many today are not really sure if God exists. They've never really proved it to be true. They want to believe that He is real, but have not taken the time to prove it. Are you sure that God exists? I can tell you now, you can prove that He does exist. Maybe you're asking yourself right now, have I really proved that God exists? I want to help you today to do just that. Prove it for yourself. In doing so, you are not going to just help yourself, but your family as well. Many college students leave home each year to go off to a new school year, only to find that their belief in God is challenged by those around them. College professors and fellow students cynically assault their beliefs, and so many soon surrender to a way of thinking that is devoid of absolute values and belief in God and the Bible. Soon they're confused, and their religious beliefs just crumble into dust. On their first visit home, their parents are shocked by what they're hearing. Can we rebuild the nation's belief in God? Stay with us today to hear how you can shock Proof your belief in God. Stay tuned. A warm welcome to our Tomorrow's World viewers. Millions of people go to church each Sunday, and for many it's a time of fellowship and belonging to a community. It's, it's a time for families to sit together and worship. It's a time to sing hymns and hear the pastor's message. Some enjoy being in the church choir or being a part of a good work program, which is aimed at helping the poor and needy. But for some, church can become more of a social venue where God is not real to them. But they go to church because, well, they feel good. May I make something very plain and clear? Unless you have a personal one-on-one -on -one relationship with God that is meaningful and real, you will not be able to build a Christian life. To do so would be like the man that Jesus spoke about who built his house upon the sand. The floods came, the winds blew, and it fell but the person who builds his Christian house upon the rock, and that rock is Christ, is one who knows and is sure that God exists. He prays to the real God and he expects answers. 
Let me share a personal story with you. Throughout my childhood and teen years, I believed in the existence of God. All seemed fine till I began counseling with my minister for baptism. He asked me the question, are you sure that God exists? I said, yeah, I'm sure. Then he asked, but have you proved it? Well, I was speechless, because I hadn't. I'd simply taken my parents' word for it. But then, of course, they told me that Santa Claus was real, and I found out that wasn't true. Could they have possibly been wrong about God and Jesus Christ also? I needed to do something about it. I began a deep study of the subject and was helped by reading a book that gave me the same seven proofs that I'm going to give you today. Are you absolutely certain that there is a real God in heaven who intervenes in world affairs and guides you in your personal life? I've said that I will give you seven proofs that God exists. So, let's start with number one. Proof number one is, creation demands a creator. Have you ever wondered how everything that is around you came into existence? You know, the mountains, the oceans, the, the atmosphere, the blankets, the earth. How did they get here? Evolutionists will tell you that all of these things came from nothing. They would have us believe that over billions of years, things just happened in a totally random way, without any intelligence involved. They say that atoms and molecules just appeared from nowhere and came together into matter. Well, this is simply not sustainable as a theory. The universe's existence demands a beginning. Now, some call it the Big Bang, but whatever name we give it, we can be certain that there was a time when the universe as we know it did not exist. Then there was a beginning of matter and order in the universe. The Bible claims to be the Word of God and claims in its opening statement. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's the whole thing. The earth and the universe. It's a statement that leaves us in no doubt that God made everything. Consider the incredible galaxies, solar systems, planets and moons. Consider the fact that each body is held in place by the law of gravity as it hurtles through space and time. We can know that there was a beginning because of radioactivity. Let me explain. Radioactive elements such as carbon-14 and uranium-235 are in a constant state of decay. This decay is measured by the term its half-life. Measuring this elapsed time tells us that there was a time when these elements came into existence. They had a beginning and are now slowly decaying. But who created them? Once again, the Bible helps us understand. In the book of Isaiah, we read in chapter 40, verse 28, Have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. Simply stated, something cannot come from nothing. God is the first cause of everything. The word creation means that there must be a creator. The book of Revelation speaks of God in chapter 4, verse 11 this way, For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Think for a moment in human terms. If you passed by a vacant plot of land, 
and then a year later went past it again, and a beautiful building had been erected with landscape gardens and water fountains. Would you think, oh, isn't that marvellous? That's just appeared from nowhere. Well, of course not. You would know that an architect designed it. You would know that a builder built it. And you would see that a landscaper designed and created the gardens. So it was with God. He designed and he built the universe. We just happen to live on one of his masterpieces, planet Earth. It's suspended in the blackness of space, like an opal of blue, green, brown and white. So proof number one again is, creation demands a creator. Before I give you the next proof, let me offer you our free literature for today. It's a booklet titled, The Real God, Proofs and Promises. Simply call us on the number that we will give you or go to tomorrowsworld.org to request your free copy. So what is the second proof that God exists? Proof number two is life demands a life giver. Are you a parent or maybe you're a grandparent as well? How do you feel when you have the family together and in a moment of reflection you watch them and you listen to them laughing and talking and you quietly contemplate, did all of these come from me? For a moment you're overwhelmed by the difference and also the similarity in personality and family traits. For just that moment you have an idea of how God feels about his children. He's the life giver and he wants to bring all of his children into his spirit family. Which person has ever willed himself or herself into existence and given themselves life? Well, of course, the answer is no one. Which person has ever been able to assemble all of the amino acids into proteins along with fats and carbohydrates to create a human being and then breathe into them the breath of life? For all of the talk and hypothesizing, it has not been done and it is not possible. Oh, but you may ask, well, what about cloning? Yes, it's true. Animals have been cloned, and at some time, someone will probably clone a human being. But that's not giving life. It's merely taking the genetic material from an existing animal cell nucleus and inserting it into the egg of a female animal from which the nucleus has been removed. Using chemicals or a electricity, the egg is stimulated into cell division and then inserted into the womb of a sur surrogate mother. After gestation, the mother gives birth to a copy of the original animal. But the scientists have not created life. You know, Hannah, do you remember her? She was the mother of Samuel and she prayed to God and she said, listen, the Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and he brings up. A person can kill another human being, but he or she cannot make alive or bring up from the grave. God alone is life giver, sustainer, and resurrector. Science has coined a word to describe the miracle of life being replicated. What's that word? It is biogenesis. One dictionary defines it this way. It's the principle 
that living organisms develop only from other living organisms and not from non-living matter. Well, thankfully, God will not allow humans to play God. Once again, be sure to read the seven proofs that God exists in our free booklet, The Real God, Proofs and Promises. To view the Tomorrow's World telecast or request today's free offer, visit us online at tomorrowsworld.org. And remember to find us on Facebook and be sure to follow us on Twitter. With this offer, you will also receive your free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine, full of timely articles and unique insights on today's important issues. Tomorrow's World magazine keeps you up to date with world trends, Bible prophecy, and the very meaning of life itself. Tomorrow's World. Call now. Welcome back to Tomorrow's World. Today we're discussing the proof of God's existence. To help you, we're presenting seven proofs that God exists. Now for number three. Proof number three is laws demand a law giver. We're surrounded by laws of nature. Think about it. The law of friction means that we do not slip and fall. This allows the tires of a car to keep a grip on the road unless we hit an icy patch and then we lose control. Sir Isaac Newton was a brilliant English scientist who was responsible for discovering many of the basic laws of physics. His three laws of motion are fundamental to the way that we understand the movement of objects. His first law states that an object will continue in its motion unless acted upon by an external force. Think of a car driving along at a steady speed of 60 miles an hour. Unless the driver applies the brakes, or accelerates, the car will remain at a constant speed in the same direction. His second law of motion defines the law of gravity. Now there's a rather fictitious story that goes that an apple fell on his head and after deep thought he formulated the law of gravity. Well, his third law states for every action there's an equal and opposite reaction. We could summarize these laws by stating every effect has a cause. Something doesn't happen unless another thing caused it. It's easy to see the effects in our daily life, but who keeps these laws working? Not only did a great intelligent being create the laws, he sustains them. Imagine if God suspended the law of gravity and we all just floated off the earth. Imagine if he cancelled the law of electromagnetism and every electric motor failed to work. No, our God sustains his creation. Every time a rocket takes off, the engineers rely on the laws that the great lawgiver, God Almighty, set in motion. The thrust of the rocket must overcome gravity, but once the astronauts have escaped its effect and the space station is in orbit around the Earth, they become weightless. Even outside of the Earth's atmosphere, the laws of God are in force. Not all scientists are ardent atheists, and there are those who have rejected their former atheism and admitted 
that there are just too many improbabilities for the incredible complexity of the creation to just happen. The Bible tells us, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Isaiah tells us in chapter 33 and in verse 22, for the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver. We know that God not only created the laws of physics, but he also gave us his spiritual laws for our protection and happiness. He said, you shall not commit adultery. It's a powerful protector of marriages and families. The Ten Commandments have been ridiculed and scoffed at, but those who break them will be broken by the heartache and sorrow that often follows. The next proof of God's existence is equally convincing. What is it? Proof number four is design demands a designer. Let's start with the scripture. Solomon wrote in the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verse 19, The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. God not only created the earth, but he did so with an incredible amount of interdependence between the various parts of the creation. Think about the complexity within a beehive. Each bee has its role to play. The queen lays the eggs, which are insulated by the honeycomb wax. The stored honey supplies food for the new bees and carries the brood through the winter. And then the worker bees are able to travel miles to find pollen and nectar. When they've found a good source, they will return to the hive and dance a choreographed routine that other bees will be able to follow. It's been called the honey bee waggle dance. Did the whole universe evolve randomly over billions of years or was there a far more organized and perfectly designed plan brought into existence? I'm sure you have watched programs where major engineering projects are followed from design to building to completion. Bridges, football arenas, undersea tunnels and other marvelous undertakings fascinate us as we watch the daring methods used to construct them. Parallel this with the masterful creative mind of God. He was the one who engineered the universe. Just imagine the marvelous design and detailed planning that was involved when God created the immense universe, which holds trillions upon trillions of galaxies, stars and planets. There was an order of events that had to be carried out precisely by the master craftsman. Let's take day five of the creation week as an example. We find this in Genesis chapter 1 verse 20 and then in verse 21. The great God said, Let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the waters abounded according to their kind and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Imagine the impeccable timing of putting huge whales just in the right place to be able to feed on the tons and tons of plankton that God had made for them on that very day of existence. The ocean currents were set in motion to carry millions of fish from the cold Antarctic waters 
up along the African coast to provide food for larger predator fish. You can know that there is an awesome God who is intimately involved in what is going on here on earth. He's interested in you and me and is not an impersonal God who has gone off and left us to ourselves. You can get to know the God that is the God of the creation and God of the Bible. You can get to know Him better and approach Him with deep love and respect. So phone now for your copy of The Real God, Proofs and Promises. We're going to give you the telephone number on the screen. So let's be sure that we are ready to ask for this book. So far we have been given four of the seven proofs that God exists. Now let us examine the fifth. Proof number five is fulfilled prophetic promises. Only the great God can tell us what the future holds. Satan is able to understand certain future events and he's also a liar. And his prognosticators and soothsayers will mix truth with lies. But the Bible cannot lie. And so what God promises will and has at times already come to pass. God is certain. God is sure. God is bold when he says in Isaiah 46 verses 9 and 10, For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done. The prophecies in the Old Testament of Jesus Christ are too many to enunciate, but there are many surrounding his death and resurrection that show that God the Father was involved in every moment of Jesus' suffering, death, and resurrection. Here's just one. Let's read Psalm 22, verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now these are the same last words Jesus spoke as a human. But notice now in verses 16 to 18, it says, They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. Can you remember these things happening to Jesus Christ at his crucifixion? If you watch tomorrow's world regularly, you'll be aware of the many prophecies we explain and that are being fulfilled right now in your own lifetime. The key to unlocking the mystery of prophecy is to know where the modern descendants of the ancient tribes of Israel are today. You can prove that they can be found in northwestern Europe as well as the United States and the British descended nations. So keep watching tomorrow's world where we will tell you where the lost tribes of Israel are to be found today. Let me offer you once again our free booklet for today. It's titled, The Real God, Proofs and Promises you'll be able to read for yourself the seven proofs that will make God real in your life and help you to establish a meaningful prayer life. To view the Tomorrow's World telecast or request today's free offer, visit us online at tomorrowsworld.org and remember to find us on Facebook and be sure to follow us on Twitter.
With this offer, you will also receive your free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine, full of timely articles and unique insights on today's important issues. Tomorrow's World magazine keeps you up to date with world trends, Bible prophecy, and the very meaning of life itself. Tomorrow's World. Call now. So far, I've given you five important proofs that God exists. Now we get personal. Some may say that personal experiences do not count for proving God's existence. They'd be wrong. What you experience in life is just as real and just as profound as understanding the laws of nature. So proof number six is answered prayer. When you pray to God and He answers your prayers, you know that He exists and that He's very concerned for you. Have you had a prayer or several of your prayers answered? Maybe you know someone else who's had their prayers answered, which had been convincing for you. God tells us that there are some preconditions for having our prayers answered, such as what we read in 1 John chapter 3, verse 22. Let's read that. It says, And whatever we ask, we receive from Him, because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. Jesus Christ told his disciples in Matthew chapter 7 and verses 7 and 8, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Sometimes we need to ask more than once and also ask according to his will. God will not answer a prayer that is not in accordance with His will. We probably all know people who have had their personal prayers answered, but maybe we think that we have not. Well, not all prayers will be answered the way that we want them to be answered, but they will be answered, even if the answer is no. Put God to the test and pray to Him. He cannot answer a prayer that has not been prayed. Humble yourself before God and He will guide you and He will direct your life. So far, we've considered six proofs that God exists. Let's review them before I give you the last and the most convincing proof of God's existence. Proof number one is creation demands a creator. Proof number two is life demands a life giver. And number three, laws demand a lawgiver. Proof number four is Design demands a designer. And proof number five is fulfill prophetic promises. Proof number six is answered prayer. And the seventh proof is a way of life that works. Think for a moment of the blessings and the successes that God has given you throughout your life. Yes, you'll also be able to think of some things that you have done wrong and mistakes that you've made. But acknowledging the blessings you have will put your mind where you can be thankful to God. Putting our lives in God's hands means that what happens has purpose and meaning. He's our loving Father. The Apostle Paul put it this way. He says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Take the time to request your free booklet of The Real God, Proofs and Promises. And be sure to join us again next week on Tomorrow's World with Roderick Meredith, Richard Ames, Wallace Smith and I as we bring you the 
good news of tomorrow's world. To view the Tomorrow's World telecast or request today's free offer, visit us online at tomorrowsworld.org. And remember to find us on Facebook and be sure to follow us on Twitter. The preceding program is produced by the Living Church of God.